Hello, thanks for listening. You're listening to 11.50 a.m. On, on the Chat with Women Network. We are Monica Carey and Amanda Dubois here to talk to you all about divorce. Today we're going to be talking about bringing your A-game to your divorce and what that means in terms of your self-care. So with that, I'll turn it over to Amanda to introduce our special guest for today. So today we're going to have um, Titus Kahutek, who is a personal trainer, and he works with um, Heroics Training Systems. He owns Heroics Training Systems. And uh, they have two gyms. They train in both Bellevue and Seattle. And we thought it'd be really interesting to have Titus talk to us a little bit about how to handle the stress in divorce. So, But before we have Titus brought in, let's just talk a little bit about what happens when you're heading into divorce. Because we thought we'd start kind of at the beginning. And at the beginning, you are heading into a situation that is completely unknown to you. And that can be so scary. And when you're scared, your stress level goes up. And when your stress level goes up, it's hard to think clearly. And as you can imagine, when you're getting ready to have a divorce, you need to be able to think crystal clear. You've got to educate yourself about things that you've never even thought about before. You've got to learn about community property. You've got to learn about the legal system. You're going to have to learn how to find a lawyer. And all that's going to feel, you're going to feel real pressured about that because you're going to feel like you have to do it in a big hurry. And that may not be the case, or it may be the case. So you're going to be planning your future. You're going to be making decisions that are unbelievably important to you and your children, your financial future. And while all that is going on, you know, you're going to be looking to hit the chocolate and the ice cream and maybe an extra glass of wine. What do you think, Monica? Have we ever seen that? Oh, yeah. I I can't really blame anyone for that. (laughs) So when you're looking at... When you're looking at that big uh, half gallon of ice cream or <laughs> looking at that uh, box of Franz chocolates, who we love, <laughs> um, you want, might want to think a little bit twice about how you're going to take care of yourself during this process. So we've got Titus here. He actually trains both of us, and uh, we're in pretty good shape, I would say. I think so. Yeah, I think so. And uh, and in addition to just, not just, but in addition to the physical part of personal training, Titus is also really good at um, talking about Oh, like almost the spiritual side and the the side of training that has more to do with having a vision for yourself for your future. So are you here, Titus? I am here, ladies. Good morning. Fantastic. So let's talk a little bit about what happens to our bodies when we're in a stressful situation. And let's just kind of set it up. So you're... Okay, si- the, the super basic, the super basic uh, format of stress is stress comes into the system from outside. There's actually six major stresses that affect the body. Um, one of the primary ones being mental emotional, and I think that's the one we're talking about most so, more so with divorce, but there's also a physical component, which we, we, we will get into later. Um, but when the body is stressed, it releases hormones specifically called cortisol. And cortisol is the fight-or-flight hormone. It's the one that is uh, really ramped up when the lion was chasing us. And in our modern day, the proverbial lion, one of them being divorced, um, is on our tail. And so as a result, the cortisol spikes, and uh, this forces the body into actually holding on to weight and holding on to extra adipose tissue for future needs. It also um, brings all of the blood flow away from the central organs and out into the periphery, such as the muscles and, and nerve endings, so you're a little bit more on edge. So let me but, let me just ask a question then. So let's pretend like you're sitting at home, watching TV or something, knock, knock, knock on the door, and a process server shows up and hands you divorce papers. Is that what is that fight or flight? Big spike of cortisol, especially if it's unexpected, right? I mean, if this is actually literally a pound, then 
then you would get a big jolt of cortisol. And my first suggestion is when you feel that rush of energy from cortisol, take some deep breaths. Kind of ground yourself and center yourself and, and um, assess what the next steps are in a, in a less reactive way and a much more thoughtful way, mindful way. So on the flip side, let's say that you've decided that you want to divorce your husband and or your wife, I suppose. So you want to head into the divorce process and you start to feel that fear kind of building slowly. So does cortisol, and then before you have to make the big decision and you have to, you know, go visit the lawyer or something. So does the cortisol kind of build up gradually in that situation? Um, in, in that situation, you'll probably get a lot of waves, different, you know, different waves of cortisol as, as the process starts to unfold. And, you know, I think this is really where um, courage comes in. Because I think, you know, as the call for transition starts to come, the more we deny the call, actually, that could put us in a much more stressful situation than initiating the, the process. So, so I think once you get over the hump and you make that call, then you could actually decrease cortisol overall. And so how do you do that? Um, well, there's, you know, specifically exercise ways. There's breathing practices, meditation, qigong, tai chi. There's a lot of softer... Um, practices that could get you into a more centered, grounded state um, from which to act from so that you could make more accurate decisions. So can you talk a little bit more about the decision-making and how cortisol, I don't know anything about cortisol, I don't have any kind of medical background or any kind of health training, so does that, you, you mentioned that it can affect your weight gain and weight loss, but how does it affect your ability to make decisions? Um, well, cortisol puts you in fight or flight. That is your fight or flight hormone. So you, there's a couple other ones too. There's norepinephrine, epinephrine, that's adrenaline. Um, whenever these hormones flood the body, they immediately turn all systems onto reactive alert. So if you're in a reactive state and you're not in a mindful state, you may or may, may not make decisions that are in line with your future growth and, and potential good outcome. So if you live in reaction, then, then that's when you'll lash out either verbally or physically. And if you could pull back a few steps and take a few breaths, ground yourself, send yourself, bring the cortisol down and get much more into the rest-digest phase, right, the, the uh, parasympathetic nervous system activation instead of sympathetic, then you will um, make a decision from a calm mind, and that will probably be your best decision. So for us, Amanda, I think in the legal process, what do you think? Do you, can you think of an example that that would look like when someone's lashing out verbally? Or <laughs> oh, that's never <laughs> happened. Does that ever happen? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and, you know, the truth of the matter is, as a divorce lawyer, we kind of get used to that. I mean, people come in and they do lash out at us. And, and that's one reason, actually, why we have our office where we have it. So, um, and Titus, you've been over to our office, but we've intentionally chosen to have our office down on the lake. Yeah. in a really peaceful setting, and it's not at all uncommon for us when we're having a meeting with a client to actually just take a walk out on the Burt Gilman Trail for, you know, like instead of an hour-long meeting in our office, we're going to take a long walk down the trail, hopefully if it's sunny out. We also <laughs> have a dock in front of our office, and we've been known to take a client out on the dock and sort of just watch the ducks. Look at know, the that is so good. Flooding. That's so good. That actually makes a lot of sense, and that would serve very well to lower the cortisol levels for that individual. Yeah, because you know, it's, I, it's scary even just to come into a divorce lawyer's office. Absolutely. Right. So, um, Not so at your office, though, Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> you took good care of me. Well, yeah. well, you know, we try really hard to have it people-friendly, and so when people come into our office, it's, it's kind of like uh, Cheers, that old TV <laughs> show where everybody knows your name. Did, did, you felt that way, don't you think? Oh, Absolutely. So um, so let's talk a little bit about 
you know, I think you've piqued my interest is if you've got this cortisol thing going on, you're going to gain weight. So I'm sure everybody's biggest fear is uh, I'm heading in divorce and now I'm going to get fat. You know, and that's a legitimate fear. I think divorce is an extraordinarily challenging transition. And it's um, obviously quite common. I mean, I think we all know somebody who has been divorced or we ourselves have been divorced. And it's a, an incredibly challenging transition is the best way to put it. Now, like with all transitions, there's a, there's a beginning stage and then there's the coming through the other side. And um, I also have noted that coming through the other side is usually the reemergence of a brand new you. And so mm-hmm. in, the, in the time prior to initiation to exit, so in that transition period, it's most essential to take care of your basic functions, make sure that you're drinking clean water, make sure you're getting rest, make sure you're eating the right food. Although chocolate and wine are good kind of short-term soothers, in the long term, they actually increase stress, overall stress in the body, which will ultimately lead to less um, positive results at the end of the transition. So really gear your head towards, I'm in the midst of the middle of the forest. I need to keep all of my wits about me until I get to the other side. And when I get to the other side, I'm going to come out a much stronger, much healthier, much more focused and purposeful person. Okay, but what about if you've got the screaming toddler, the crazy ex, and you just want that salted caramel. I mean, is that really that bad? Um, no, it's not bad. It's not bad at all. And, and you know, there are times for self-medicating. There are times for <laughs> self-soothing. And, and using them appropriately is fine. It's when it becomes inappropriate that it's not. And specifically in times of really kind of emotionally challenging transitions, it's not probably going to be done appropriately. So if you have to do a little, like, enjoy it, absolutely. But stay focused on the basics, um, and you'll come through much better. Do most people actually drink more and eat more? Yes, absolutely. That is true. They usually do. Um, but in my my opinion, I think that it could be done um, better if you actually took care of the body more. Well, so I'm going to do a shameless plug for my friend Fran Bigelow, who owns Fran's <laughs> Chocolates. So if you're going to, I think what you're saying is if you're going to go chocolate, go a nice Fran's uh, salted chocolate and skip the box of M&M's or six or 15 Snickers bars or something, correct? Totally. And when you, and I think that's actually true for everybody all the time is <laughs> when you're going to indulge in something really delicious and sweet, get the best, get the best and make it good. And then enjoy the indulgence. Perfect. Um, but, you know, as a practice and as a soothing technique, uh, there are better ones. Okay. Thanks a lot. Something for me. Something you call love, but confess. Uh, we're talking about self-care and divorce. And we're talking about bringing your A game to your divorce. And we have our A personal trainer here helping us learn about how we can make some lifestyle changes while we're going through the divorce process. And uh, before the break, we were talking a little bit about heading into divorce and what it's like to be served with papers or to make the decision that you're going to initiate the process. But then after that happens, there's going to be a period of time that could go anywhere from three to six to nine months or sometimes even up to a year where you're in the process. And I think and I used to be a labor and delivery nurse, and I kind of liken this to being in the labor process, which, as we all know, is incredibly unpleasant. Uh, But when we're in labor, we're pretty sure we're going to have a baby. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, when, we're in, when we're in the divorce <laughs> process, we don't really know this, but what Monica and I have seen over and over, which is kind of why we do what we do, is you're basically giving birth to a new life. And uh, Titus is going to help us. So now, Titus, we've, we've, uh, we're in labor. 
<laughs> we are in the middle of the process, and um, things are breathe, happening. Breathe, breathe, breathe. <laughs> That's right. It's almost time to push, but not yet. So um, you've surrounded yourself with a team of people for support, and it's good to have your friends around you and, and your family members. And I want to actually take just a minute and talk about the people that we surround ourselves with when we go through the divorce process. And and I want to talk a little bit about who you choose to sort of put on your divorce team. And some people, there are people in our lives who hold us sort of in a high, you know, like they can see the highest and best in us. And then there's other people in our lives who maybe our mother or our sister who hate our soon-to-be ex and for what he's done to you. And they're mad at him. And they might not be the best person to be on your support team in that manner because you kind of want on your support team people who can, you know, who know really who you are and how you want to be in this process. And someone you might want to have on your support team along with uh, uh, some friends who kind of see you in high regard and family members who don't have huge issues with your ex and maybe a therapist or a pastor or, God forbid, a lawyer. (laughs) Um, you might want a personal trainer or somebody like Titus who can sort of help you make your way through this process. And one of the dirty little secrets in the divorce process that we don't always talk about is that as much as um, we fight for, you know, as much custody time as we can get with our children, there are going to be times when we're not going to have our kids with us. And now we've got to figure out what we're going to do with that time because maybe you're going to have every other weekend by yourself and maybe you're going to have one evening a week by yourself or more, given, you know, there's more and more shared custody these days. So it's kind of a cool opportunity to decide how, what you're going to do to fill that time. So Titus, let's talk a little bit about some options that we have when we're going through this transition period. And, and so you really miss your children and, you know, you're a weekend by yourself. What, we can make some new imprints or some new uh, habits new, going new forward. New patterns, for sure. And, and you know, I love the uh, concept that you came up with just there about uh, having the team around you. Because, you know, when you're going through any of these transitions, uh, the team you put around you is going to really determine the outcome. And, um, you know, because you're in a kind of confused, somewhat bewildered state, if you could start putting trusted allies around you that have not just um, your side and, and picking a fight with the other side, but more so, more so see you in your, your highest self uh, moving towards the direction of, of health and well-being for yourself and your family. Exactly. Um, and that, that is the ultimate. Um, so also, like you were saying, is because this is such a chaotic kind of tumultuous time, there's a real good opportunity to create patterns that are going to build your future. And these patterns are exercise, diet, of course, but also the types of books you read, the types of people you hang out with, the future that you really, really want to build. And this is a great opportunity. This is one of the best opportunities in life, I would say, to really set that straight. So you like I wouldn't think you'd want to go like to a trainer or, you know, somebody who's helping you with your physical fitness and how, and so let's just say I'm mad at my ex and he's done this, that, and the other thing. I don't really know that it's the best use of my time and and my energy to go to somebody and have them buy into it and have sort of a kind of a bitch session with them. No, it it certainly doesn't. It's not supportive of the higher self. It's supportive of the, the, um, the, the drama. You know, it's actually supporting the drama instead of moving you through the drama. Right. So is this the time to decide to go out and learn how to run a marathon? Well, you know, that's, that's a good point. You know, mm-hmm. I think if you already are a marathon runner, it might be. Um, I would say that the, uh, 
it's a little bit more taxing on the system than probably should be undertaken. Um, ideally, especially if you don't have a pattern of exercise in your history, you really want to start out very slowly and methodically and um, use that exercise time for a mindful connection to the body so you're making sure you're using the right muscles the right way. So when you're doing a squat, exactly what muscles are being used, exactly where my knees are, exactly what is my posture in this movement. And if you can get more mindful, you don't need to necessarily increase the intensity, but you actually increase the grounding and you decrease cortisol. So you're not adding, again, that cortisol word, you're not adding more stress to your body through application of exercise, which can be quite stressful, especially if you don't have a habit. Right, because probably the last thing you need when you're going through divorce is a back injury. <laughs> exactly. And, and you're probably most likely to get one right. while you're going through divorce because you're not really paying attention. Well, I've been thinking lately a lot about Zumba because I recently started. I love that one. I recently started Zumba, and it's it was really cool because the classroom was the teacher was probably like sixty five, and the class was filled with all different women of all different shapes and sizes. And I thought, wow, this would be such a good, great thing for my clients, when, especially when their kids are with the other parent, um, because it's social. Because you yeah, know, one that's of, perfect. a yep, really that's difficult perfect. thing about divorce is that your entire social network can change, and suddenly your daughter's best friend's mom isn't talking to you anymore, and so you kind of mm-hmm. need to come up with some, you know, a new social network. So I've had clients. I had a client that I took to trial and. Um, she was very fit. She's very active. She joined a soccer league, and you know she actually ended up meeting someone through that league and had a whole new group of friends, and we went all the way through trial, and she maintained this very measured composure throughout the whole thing, even though it was a very difficult case in, involving long-distance parenting and lots of really that's such a great um, That's a great story with that because, yeah, you know, community, hands down, the most important part. And if you can be in an active community or place yourself, into an active, supportive community that's focused on health and wellness, then I don't think you can make a better decision than that. And Zumba, you know, it really is suited for all ages, sizes, shapes, and um, it's very, it's a very welcoming and warm community. So that's kind of a perfect one. I love that idea. Yeah, I think it's it's a really good point. So I guess what we're saying is you're heading into this, or you're in the middle of this divorce process, and you've got a different... Um, schedule than you're accustomed to having. You're going to actually wake up some mornings and not have to get the kids off on the bus. And you're going to have some weekends where you're actually going to be able to sleep in. And you're going to be able to make some decisions (laughs) about how you're going to fill that time. And like Titus says, it's it's such a cool opportunity. So what are some, you know, we all think of, oh, no, I have to go to the gym and I've got to, you know, spend money on a gym or I don't like to ride the exercise bicycle or all that boring stuff that we hate. So, well, I, I would say that if that was there before and during and after, then, then that's going to be um, that's a, almost a larger problem than just the divorce. I think exercise is a primary component of a healthy life. So I do make the invitation universally to all people that are not moving to get moving, to use your body and to acknowledge your body as the, uh, the ground from which you work. So if you have a strong, healthy body, then you can actually navigate these challenges and transitions more effectively, both emotional and physical challenges and transitions. But it doesn't have to be a gym. It could just be walking up to the top of Queen Anne Hill. Absolutely. In fact, you know, gyms are, you know, this is one of my dirty little secrets, is that I think gyms are kind of stupid. Okay, I think that in our modern world of, of desks and computers, 
gyms have become necessary. But if you're an active person and you get out into the woods, you go for walks, you are connected to the environment, you could live a very healthy life without ever going into a gym. Exactly. And I think a connection with nature at this time, like gardening or going hiking, you don't have to be in a gym on an exercise bicycle. You could be up at Snoqualmie hiking up the mountains. Absolutely, absolutely. In fact, I would probably suggest that more. You know, I would suggest getting out into nature as much as possible. Nature, for me, um, really is a place where I get to um, gain, main, or, uh, gain a legitimate perspective to recognize, really, my place and order, you know. And um, when I can get into there and get out of this, the city and the hustle and bustle, it gives me an opportunity to think clearly in a different way than I've been able to um, in the city. And likewise, that when we're sitting at our desk, I know the last time you were in my office, you put a little sticky note on my computer that says M-Y-A, two times an hour. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Move your you-know-what. Just get oh. up and do a squat or something. Just don't just sit there on your butt all the damn day. Right, I feel like get that should be a, a new texting acronym, acronym instead of M-Y-A. LOL or something. M-Y-A. <laughs> yeah. L-M-A-O. <laughs> exactly. You know what? And... and um. Be new. This is a good time. You're shedding a skin. This is this is um, a, a revealing of the inner self. And if you have an opportunity to shed that skin, be new. Be the thing that you dream about. Uh, yeah, I mean, for myself, I know that I didn't always exercise, but now when I do it, I, I really relish the time that I have to myself. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think we're getting ready to take a break, but when we come back, I, I'm hoping that we can talk a little bit about Amanda, with you about why you started our practice and where it is, and especially within the divorce setting when people are kind of coming after you all the time. And it looks like we have a caller, Benny. We do. We had uh, Chelsea calling from Seattle. She has a great question for us. So, Chelsea, welcome to the show. What's up? Hi, everybody. Hey, Chelsea. Hello, Chelsea. So, I've been listening to what you're talking about, and I went through a split a couple months ago. And I, uh, you know, I wanted to to eat the chocolate and have the wine, <laughs> but it seems like my body just kind of shut down and I couldn't eat anything. And I'm wondering if it's the same issue, if it's that cortisone uh, working in a reverse effect or if that's caused by something else and what you can do to kind of break that cycle. Yeah, absolutely. The cortisol can shut down, um, like, uh, appetite. Um, and, and when your appetite, you know, there's, there's two ways that people really respond to being overstressed. One is becoming more manic and reactive. The other is becoming more passive and closed in, right? So there's the pull the covers over the head person and there's the, I got to keep busy person. Both are under stress. Um, so, you know, it's, it's always the answer to get back to center, back to ground, back to the basics, make sure that if you don't want to eat, at least you're eating good nutrient-dense foods uh, a few times a day, right? You don't have to eat a lot, but just enough to keep the system sharp. So right. I have a question for you, Chelsea. Did you do any, did you, were you able to get out and move around a little bit and get some exercise, or were you kind of holed up, or how did you react to that whole situation? Well, I'm the busy type. I have a hard time just sitting and letting life go by. I want to get involved and be busy, but it was difficult because I felt like my butt, I couldn't eat. I couldn't really function and I wanted to exercise. 
and do the things that I knew would help me, you know, pull me out of this. But it was hard because I couldn't put, like, the fuel in my body. So, so you know, I just, I, I had a hard time, and but I tried to, to do everything that I knew I was supposed to do. So I hear, I hear a lot of past tense. Is that still going on for you, or is that not going on anymore? A little bit. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of faded out for the most part, but a little bit. So you're getting back to a little bit more normal schedule of eating and, and activity? Yeah, and sleeping, too. Um, the sleep schedule is a mess. Yeah, that that is one of the often messiest ones and, and the most important at that, too. So, um, but if it sounds like you're kind of coming through, that's, that, that would be, that sounds like the, the kind of uh, profile of that is in the midst of it, there's a spike and there's a really kind of challenge negotiating it. And it's easy theoretically to tell you, okay, make sure you're eating, exercising, drinking water and sleeping. Theoretically, that's exactly what you need to do. Um, in reality and in practice, it, it takes all of your efforts to really actually get those done. Um, so whatever you can get as close to possible with, then you're doing the right thing. So, Titus, you were talking earlier about that you might have some techniques you can share with us. Yeah, this you might know, be a good time. Yeah, and it might be. And one of the uh, primary ways to get yourself into the uh, best active state is to get yourself centered. So all mm -hmm. of these things, all of your world is swirling around, and if you're getting pulled and jerked and pressed and prodded, you don't even know where your ground is or where you are in the midst of all that. So right. doing a really good centering practice is essential. And the centering practice is that I have um, that works for me and it works for a lot of my clients. I'll just run through re real quickly with all of you. You game, Chelsea? Um, yeah. Okay, so we're going to do it. First, yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Okay, so the first thing is I invite you to kind of be centered in your body. The center of your body is about two inches below your belly button in front of your spine and behind your belly button. The center of gravity, center of awareness. So be centered in your body, bending gratitude inward, thanking your body for the years of service and partnership. Remembering that the center of language is silence. And the next words you speak will be your choice. Remembering that the center of movement is stillness. The next movement you make will be your choice. Remembering that the center of emotion is acceptance. The next emotion you bring forward will be your creation. Your choice, your creation. And something to repeat throughout your day is it's your choice, it's your creation. So what are you trying to build instead of what are you running from is the question. Mm -hmm. That feels good even just hearing you say that. That feels really good. So good. Well, thanks for calling in, Chelsea. Hopefully things go well with you and uh, what's going on with your partner and everything moves forward in a nice, healthy, and uh, alive way, and you make the transition if that's what you're doing or not. Well, thank you so much. Okay. Good luck, Chelsea. Thanks, thanks for calling, Chelsea. Are you there, Titus? I am here. I just have one last thing I wanted to chat with you about, um, and that thing you just did at whatever we call it. What do we call that? A centering practice. The centering, centering practice. Back. I think you might have already answered my question, but I would like to raise this issue. So it's not at all uncommon for us. We have women going through the divorce, and now we're going to get into a battle over child custody. And one thing that happens is, as part of the process, everybody's trying to say that they're a great parent. 
And sometimes that kind of slops over into I'm a great parent and he or she is not a great parent. And so sometimes we have to go to court and we have to get statements from friends and family members that say, you know, my client's a great parent. And sometimes, um, well, it just happened to me the other day, you know, like a, a family member, like a mother-in-law, will write a declaration against her daughter-in-law, basically Ouch. trashing her out. And, it, and they can be kind of heartless. Or maybe I had another client and her best friend's mother wrote something about how it was just, it was, she took sides in the divorce. And so you're, you're in this process and it's hard enough because you're losing your financial security and you're losing your parenting. You know, you're not going to have your kids with you all the time, but then you've got these people that you thought you knew and maybe you thought you trusted and maybe you never had never even considered whether you trust them or not, but now they've, they're attacking you. And so can you talk a little bit about, and I think that centering process you did was really helpful, but can you give us any other tips about, I think maybe that's back to that cortisol situation where, you know, you're in fight or flight, but so there's a stamina part of this, I guess is what I'm saying. It's kind of like a marathon, like you're heading into the process, you get over that, and then your things seem like they've calmed down and now, boom, you're going to have to go to court and people are calling you, not really names, but they might as well be calling you names in court papers. So yeah, yeah, you, you know, this is a brutal process, and you know I've I've actually worked with many clients through the process. I've seen smooth ones, I've seen really really horrific ones, and um, I would say that the whole point is that you're continuously training in life for mental, emotional, and physical challenges and transitions. So if you're you're true to your training and you you do focus on how you make these mental, emotional, and physical challenges and transitions, that's going to really determine the skill level in which you kind of process all of this stuff, right? So this stuff is really heady and very intense. And I would say that there isn't a book or a way of doing it in the world written. It's going to be the way that you do it in your scenario. And so to be grounded and centered in who you are and where you're going is going to be your anchor. It's going to be your... your um, control in the process. And if you stay focused, then all of those things, all of those barbs and slings and arrows, they don't have the same weight if you're in your center and in your power and in your purpose. They can't, you're, you're not, it doesn't hurt. Now, of course, it's still going to be rough. It's still hard. You're going to have to navigate that the best way that you can. So that's kind of like living from the inside out instead of Absolutely. from the outside in. Exactly. And and just accept the fact that they're saying this because it's hard for them, too. You know, this is very hard for everybody. If you get caught in everybody's drama, then there's no way to stay focused on your outcome. And what you really need to do is focus on your outcome and go through the drama. Well, you know, this is kind of funny. I never really thought about this, but we have a little, whatever we call it, pedestal here to speak from or something. And I, I guess I would also say if you happen to be listening and someone is asking you to get involved in their divorce and That's to true. write that kind of a statement and if you're maybe a mother and your son is going through a divorce and you're tempted to want to write a mean-spirited statement against your daughter-in-law or against or if your daughter's in a divorce or vice versa I think all of us should take a little responsibility for the part we play in getting involved Perfect in point. people's divorce so people listening here, they might be actually going through a divorce or they might have a friend who's going through a divorce. And, you know, it's really nice, you know, it's nice to be able to write a supportive statement, but, you know, maybe you want to think twice about whether you want to write that statement that's going to trash out the other side because, you know, that can, the whole thing can kind of 
devolve into just a mudslinging contest at that point. And at the end of the day, it's about the children. It's about the children. And, and, you know, it's also about your integrity. You know, life, you have your your integrity throughout life is so important. And to represent love and trust in one scenario and then immediately um, showing uh, malice and contempt in another really wounds the person, that person who's writing the statement's integrity more than anything. And I think that's something definitely to be mindful of. But that's actually one of the tensions that I find in being a divorce lawyer. Do you find that, Monica? I do, yeah. That's true. Because you're, you're sort of, you're being an advocate, and we are fierce advocates for our clients, but at the same time, we want to take care of them and, and make it as easy a process as possible. And, you know, you I'll read the paper sometime and see that there's a war going on someplace, and sometimes I think, well, you know, we're kind of in a war ourselves in a funny way on a daily basis and try to keep that separate is, you know, there's a fine line between being a warrior and being a supportive advocate. Well, and I think that's that's another reason why I love our office. I mean, I I go out on the dock sometimes (laughs) if I've been talking to another attorney who's completely enmeshed in a case and I'm thinking, hey, we're not getting a divorce. (laughs) We're the lawyers. (laughs) They're calling on us to give you our, you know, like use our sound judgment. And I think that um, it's also really nice to be in such a supportive environment because we've talked about this before but you know the last thing you need is to is is for going to your lawyer's office to be another stress on you well yeah and we are used we used to have an office up on the top floor of a downtown office building and by the time somebody made it downtown and through all the one-way streets and into the parking garage and up two elevator banks and through the reception desk they were a, a wreck when they got in our office it was just they were it was just, it was too much. Too icy. Yeah, it was icy is what exactly it was. I think we're going to go ahead and take a break, and it looks like, Titus, I think you have to take off, so I just wanted to say thank you so much for coming and sharing all of your wisdom with us. You're listening Absolutely, to and what? anybody who's interested in, uh, in learning more about what we do, you should look us up on www.heroicsusa.com. Again, heroicsusa.com. We'll be happy to talk to anybody going through any transition. Yeah, and if anybody needs a personal trainer, Titus and Hassan, those are the guys, so... Can't say enough good things about you. Thanks so much for coming on, Titus. It's been really helpful, and I feel so relaxed after that centering thing we did. <laughs> good. Have a great day, ladies. Thanks, okay. Titus. Thanks. And I think we had a call, right, Benny? We did. We had Ann from Shoreline that called in. She had a great question. She wants to know what to look for in a lawyer. That as yourselves. A, that's a really great <laughs> right? question. You look for us. <laughs> that's a start. You're I would do the same for... thing. Yeah. You want to take you... it, Monica? Wow. I you know what I think you told me this a long time ago. I think you should look for a lawyer who who gets you. I mean, kind of you have a have good chemistry with, but it's really all about chemistry, I agree. Yeah, it really is. And I and I think we find it where sometimes we have clients and it just doesn't seem like a good fit or, you know, people who just click. Exactly. So. Well, I think what what I would say about that is, you know, there's a whole bunch of great divorce lawyers in Seattle and Bellevue and the surrounding areas. I mean, the technical part about being a divorce lawyer, there are lots and lots of lawyers who know what they're doing. So you have a lot to choose from around here in the Northwest and the Pacific, or the Puget Sound area. So really, I agree. You're looking for someone that you have chemistry with that when you, because we've been talking about how horrible this whole process is. And so when you're looking for a lawyer, you want somebody who's going to be able to walk through that process with you. And different people, obviously, everybody's looking for something different. So you go to a lawyer's office, and I would say, you know, first look around and see how it feels. And if it, and if you were looking for a downtown, serious, 
you know, people are in suits. That's one kind of lawyer. And true. other people have dogs in their office and it's a little more laid back and friendly. <laughs> We've been known to have a dog we, or two. We usually have a dog or two in our office. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, so it's anything on that continuum. So, you know, for us, we feel like we can be, we need to be extremely strong advocates. We take our business extremely seriously, but at the same time, there's a, a double-edged sword to that. We don't want our clients to feel like that way with us. So our job is to be warm and reassuring and compassionate and helpful to our clients at the same time being a strong advocate. So I think, why don't you talk a little bit about our office, Monica? It's a good time to talk about that. Um, and I, the question, I'm going to ask you a question. So Great. here we are litigators and here we spend a lot of time in court. Yes. And we spend a lot of time with other lawyers attacking us, not personally, yep. but, and that's the game. Right. And so what, makes our office different to you? I think the coolest part about our office is how supportive we are of one another. I, I, Every time I come back from court, I have at least four or five people saying, what happened with Susie Q? Or what happened with that guy or that client? And and it's just really nice because you never feel alone. And it can be hard. You know, you're kind of out there flapping in the wind, making your <laughs> argument, and you really care about your client and you're trying to, you know, get them a good result. And it's great to be able to share that with with your team. Right. And I think it really does actually distinguish us from a lot of law firms. Well, and we're a women-owned business. I think that makes a difference. That is true. We yeah. have five lawyers who are all women, interestingly, as it turns out. Yep. Um, one thing I like about our office is when people come into our office, it's small enough so that we can kind of see what's going on. And people come in and we make it a point that we know each other's clients by their first name. That's true. So it's nice to be able to, if I'm, if you have a client coming in, you know, Sally is in there, right. then I will know who she is. And, and if you're not available, me or another lawyer will be able to jump it's in true. and take a call. Yeah. So. Which so. is nice because things happen fast in this line of work. And so sometimes I might have, you know, I might have three emergencies. So it's really nice to know that I can, I, I can rely on the people that I work with because I know we're all good lawyers and we all really care. And I think that we're really careful about choosing lawyers in our firm. Which is reason. by the name, uh, goes by the name of Dubois Carey Law Group. I don't know if you've ever oh, that's said right. that. <laughs> I don't think we did. So I would say in answer to Anne's question, you know, that's the kind of stuff if you're, you know, there's the downtown, you know, serious, everybody's in a suit and then there's people out on the lake and then there's everything in between. Um, but I think it's fair to say that most people technically, as far as being a lawyer, knowing what the law is, that that's you can there's a lot of people a lot who are of very, very good at that. That's so then true. it really becomes a question of who's going to walk you through the process. Right. And I think we bring our game to the process, our A game to the process um, by nurturing one another in this, you know, and our clients and our clients. So let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, we have a few more minutes here and I just wanted to talk a little bit about. Um, sort of demystifying the process because, you know, Titus was talking a lot about that, hor that stress hormone called cortisol, which it seems like is something that we get when we don't know what's going on or we're afraid. So let's spend a couple minutes, Monica. What would you say is like the most important thing that someone needs to know heading into the divorce process, like from an educational perspective? I think it's really important to remember that a lot of it is outside your control, and you just have to go with it. And then the other piece is it's probably not going to happen that quickly. The number of times that I've said to a client, okay, you've been married for 15 years. You're not going to undo this in, in two weeks. I mean, a lot of people just think, I want to be done. I want to I just be finished. I want to move on. And in King County, you file for divorce, and you get a trial date that's about a year later, and it's 
may, it might actually take that long to sort it out all out, and that's okay. I mean, I think I think that's that would be what I'd I'd want people to remember. Well, and especially I think there's a lot of um, women in particular who have husbands in particular who maybe they've already decided to move on. So mm. we have women in our office all the time saying, "My husband just wants to be done with this. He says these are all of our assets." He says he's told me everything. We sat at the kitchen table and, you know, right. I think I know. But, boy, it can be really scary when you don't really know that much about your finances. So you're exactly right. You need to really take your time because there might be a bank account you don't know about or a retirement account that you don't know about. It's true. Or, you know, there's all kinds of financial issues that are credit cards. That's a big one. That is a big one. Unknown debt. Yeah. Run a credit report on yourself. Exactly. Find out. So the more knowledge you have, the more you can educate yourself over the course of the divorce process, the better you are. So I guess if we're going back to Anne's question about how to find a good lawyer, is the first time you meet with a lawyer, you should be looking for someone who is educating you about the process and who's kind of telling you what to expect. And, you know, I'd say one other thing about going to meet with a divorce lawyer is I would be suspicious of a lawyer who doesn't introduce you to their paralegal. Mm, that's true because that's the paralegal is a is a really important part of your team, especially in our office. We have fantastic paralegal. Kind of like an assistant, pretty much. I mean, what is a paralegal Good for question. those that don't know? Well, it's sort of like um, sort of like a nurse is to a doctor. So okay, it's not a it's it's sort of the person who does all the administrative management stuff around. So the lawyer does the legal part, and the paralegal would be the person who does the day to day handholding and helps accumulate the financial records and helps. Uh, it's a lot of. The right-hand man or woman. Exactly. So, like, you know, when you're in the hospital, the doctor comes in once in a while, Perfect. but the nurse is there every single they day. They gather all the information, so you're almost connected with them just as much as the lawyer. Exactly, Absolutely. and you really want to feel a bond with the paralegal because okay. that's the person that you're going to be dealing with on a daily basis. That's true. Well, I That's think what it, I say about, about how to choose a lawyer. That's what I would say, too. Um, I guess we're getting ready to wrap it up here, and I don't know if there's anything else that you wanted to go over, Amanda. Well, I would say that, you know, in closing, I think that the most important thing that I've learned from talking to Titus today is, you know, you want to have a vision for yourself in this process. You really want to be able to sort of see where you're going. And the more that you can see where you're going and sort of take those deep breaths and be able to focus on what is you're going to be your future. And one of those things that's going to be your future might be, I'm going to start, you know, walking more. I'm going to start filling in that time that I don't have my kids. You have a huge choice about filling in a whole bunch of time. And instead of looking at what you don't have, which is your kids there with you, you might want to look at what you do have, which is a whole bunch of time and a whole new life that you can start creating for yourself.